Well, as we've already said this morning, this is a special time in the life of our church. And I could go on all morning and, and tell lots of stories of, about the last, really, 16 years since I've been here. About 17 or 18 years ago, we broke ground to renovate this building. There's a lot of... Uh, few main things, but there's a lot of things that, we, that were done uh, to renovate this building. It was called the Everest Project, and I don't have time to go through all of that, but it was called the Everest Project back then. Um, even this week as I've gone through just, just lots of paperwork and um, old directories and even pulled out an old uh, DVD of a film uh, that was made for a reason of why we needed to renovate, renovate this building. Um, but that's what happened 17, 18 years ago. We broke ground. It was designed to be a $1.7 million project, but through a number of unforeseen events, it turned out into a $3.2 million project. Um, I'm going to show you some pictures. They're really bad pictures, so just let me, let me warn you of that. Some of them, I, I'm sure there's pictures out there. We just didn't have time to, to gather them all and go through them. So some of these are taken like from a directory. So that's, that's how bad they're going to be. And um, not that the directory was bad, but you know that I'm taking a picture from, uh, from a piece of paper. So it's not going to look real good. But it gives you a glimpse of what the building looked like prior to what it looks like now. So let me, let me see if I can do that. All right, so in the old days, that was this, that's how this room started. That was, you can kind of, kind of see it there. Um, that's how it started. So that was the north area. There's a big map there right now, but that was a fireplace. And uh, there was a wall between this area and the north area in the back. And so that was, just, that was the, those windows you see were the outside of the building. There was no atrium on the building at that time. That was the entrance into the building. Um, so we came off of a parking lot that wasn't tiered, it was just sloped all the way down when they had ice, it, the cars slid down all the way down. And um, so that was the entrance. And when you went in that building, in that entrance, you had to go either up or down. And, uh, and so it was not um, accessible if you had um, a wheelchair or any special needs at all. That is, uh, if you were standing in the back there in the north area, that's the wall that originally separated this room from that room. And it, was a, it had glass in it, it was a half wall, and that's what, that's what separated it. This is kind of what the, the church looked like when they, before they moved out and started the, the construction. This is, so this is one step further um, than the first picture that I showed you. And so those are, those are just kind of to give you a, an idea. We started with multiple methods of, to service the loan, multiple methods. And then in 2008, we rolled all of those notes into one note with ECCU, Evangelical Christian Credit Union, we were, we were making no traction at all towards paying the debt. ECCU came to us just a few months prior to 
the, the balloon note being, the five-year balloon note being paid and said they would not re, re, uh, give us a, a loan again. And so we did not know what we were going to do. In 2012, the Lord providentially brought Cass Bank to our attention at, the confer- at a conference in St. Louis. Uh, we just happened to go to this conference, which we, we were, it was a last-minute decision anyway, but we just happened to go to it. It was Rick and Bob and, and Aaron, the three of us. And uh, I just happened to sit down with, by a guy named Lincoln Vermeer, who told me he worked for Cass Bank. And here's what he said, it's, we are a bank that specializes in church loans. Yeah. And I thought that was a great thing. Um, so today, um, today, uh, going forward to today, we went, up, we went with Cass Bank all those years, and today our loan is paid in full. We have no debt. And we asked Lincoln, if he would come and be a part of this special occasion with us. And you've heard his name mentioned many times, but it's my privilege to introduce him to you now. He's, Lincoln started out as our banker. He was, he was a banker in, in St. Louis, and that's all we knew about him. But over the years, um, we've, we've, we've done a lot together, including go to Shepherd's Conference once together. Um, Spent time over the phone, got, have had counsel from him, um, and he has become really a good friend, and, uh, and we really appreciate that. It's not normal, I guess, for, to be a, a, uh, have a good friend like that that's also your banker and wants to make money off of you. And so um, <laughs> I asked him to come and share some thoughts, and so would you please welcome Lincoln Vermeer. Thank you for the privilege of being with you this morning. When, when Bob sent me an email a couple of weeks ago, he had, first of all, he had informed me that the mortgage was, was going to be paid off. And after I went through my third and fourth boxes of Kleenex, uh, he sent me an email and asked me to come participate in the service. So I'm honored to be here uh, for reasons that are going to become evident. Um, Bob asked me to speak a little bit on how uh, I came to meet Rick and Bob at Mission Road Bible Church and just kind of reflect on our relationship together these last eight years. Uh, honestly, that exercise in and of itself, of just reflecting on God's goodness in, first of all, meet, uh, bringing about the meeting, and then uh, the eight years we've enjoyed together has been really been a faith-building exercise for me. So, so I, uh, I thank God for that in the many ways that I've benefited from our relationship. So, and I hope that you also will see God's goodness, his providential care uh, as uh, his fingerprints all over this relationship. So really, the story began some years ago, shortly after Rick, it was announced that Rick was going to be uh, uh, the, the senior pastor here at Mission Road, and I had not heard of Rick, I had not heard of, of Mission Road Bible Church, but a friend of mine by the name of Mike Grant, who will be familiar to some of you, because his son Eric Grant uh, worshipped here at Mission Road while he was in school for a number of years. And so Mike is a friend of mine from St. Louis, a dear friend for a million years, and Mike called me one day and said, hey Lincoln, I just wanted to... Put this on your radar so that um, at some point in the future, there's a pastor by the name of Rick Holland. He's going to be the pastor at Mission Road. Um, and so you ought, to, you ought to keep that on your radar. And I thought, sounds good. That's an incredible long shot that I would ever cross paths with Rick Holland or Mission Road Bible Church, just based on, the, based on the word of a friend like that. But that's a real long shot. So fast forward a couple of months. 
uh, slow day at the office just for grins. I decided to do a Google search on Mission Road Bible Church, led me to the website. I saw where you all had posted a video of Rick's installation service where Dr. Moeller uh, spoke that morning. And I remember watching the full, the full video and I remember thinking, wow, I like this church a lot. I have absolutely no idea that I'm ever going to meet these people, but it still seems like a terrible long shot, but um, I like this church. And uh, so fast forward uh, a number of months again um, to the pastor's conference that, in St. Louis that, uh, that Bob mentioned, and I'm standing there talking to a guy that, that before the conference really got started, and he, he looks at me and he says, so uh, Lincoln, where do you pastor? Which is very common at a pastor's conference that a lot of people ask me that question, Lincoln, where do you pastor? And I said, well, I'm not actually a pastor. I'm a money changer, and I work for a bank that, <laughs> that, that specializes in helping churches. And I see this gentleman. He reaches over to his left, and he grabs the arm of the guy to his left, and he pulls him into our conversation. And he looks back at me, and he says, Lincoln, my name is Rick Holland. I pastor a church in the Kansas City area. Bob, we need to get to know this guy. And so that became, that kind of was the launching of the friendship well, fast forward a couple of months, and we had set up a meeting, which was held in the, this room right over here, and we had set up a meeting. Now, we were given very specific instructions. We needed to be here. My, uh, my coworker and I that came over to visit with Rick and Bob, uh, we were given very specific instructions. We needed to be here by a certain time because there were some very special lunch arrangements that had been made for our time together. And so we needed to get here early so we could leave here by, I think it was around 11 o'clock. And so we, we had a nice time together, and a few minutes before 11 o'clock, Rick says, you know, we really, we really need to get going. And in my mind, I had white tablecloth, fine dining, and Rick looks at us and says, fellas, we're going to a gas station for lunch. <laughs> now, you all are natives, so you know we're talking about Oklahoma Joe's, and it was a glorious thing. Um, but my heart kind of sank when we started talking about a gas station. Um, but I will tell you that after having a Z-Man sandwich, um, I think that at that point I became nutritionally committed to making sure that this relationship was going to move forward. Um, so now fast forward a couple of months again. Uh, we're, at the, we're at the loan closing at the title company. And uh, I remember while they were shuffling papers and things like that, Rick looked at me and he says, Lincoln, he says, I just want you to be aware that we're really praying that, that God's going to provide and we're going to be able to pay this loan off early. I didn't say anything at the time, but in my mind, I'm thinking, in, in my world, that rarely happens. Okay, maybe a 20-year loan becomes a 19-year loan or an 18-year loan or something like that. But an 8-year loan simply very rarely happens. And so I thought, could happen, very much a long shot, but, uh, but I wish him well with it. So anyway, it was, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been great to see God's fingerprints all over our time together. Uh, I ran some numbers this past week in my office, and, and again, as I said, we started out on a 20-year loan repayment schedule, and the loan was paid off in full over about eight years, and uh, the, the, numbers, the numbers look as such. The interest savings, just the interest savings, by the church paying the loan off 12 years earlier, I calculate roughly at $944,612. That's a lot of money, uh, $944,612. Interestingly enough, if my, if my podcast archives are accurate, that's almost exactly the same number of sermons that it took Rick to preach through the Book of Romans. <laughs> so, <laughs> brother, I love that Book of Romans. I, I, 
I look forward to my weekly workout when I'm going to go and Rick's going to preach through me through the podcast. I just love that, that sermon series. So, so anyway, uh, praise God. I, again, God's the hero of this story. His fingerprints are all over this, and I praise God for, for the church that, uh, that he has raised up here in Prairie Village. So if I could get, uh, uh, if I could get personal for just a minute, um, you know, it's a little rare in my world when, as Bob said, when business relationships become personal friendships, but this is certainly one of those cases. So I just wanted to take a minute and share a few of my favorite memories of uh, times with Rick and Bob and Mission Road and our relationship. So number one, highlight, listening to the podcast from John chapters 13 through 17 and the many thir- sermons through the book of Romans, which again, I absolutely loved. Number two, Multiple readings of Uneclipsing the Sun, still one of my favorite books. Number three, uh, several of my daughters attending Ascend Camp and coming home from camp and saying, Hey, Dad, I met your friend Rick. (laughs) Number four, tagging along with a group of Mission Road men for the Shepherds Conference in California. Number five, attending an early morning men's theology uh, event here at the church. And number six, Rick and Bob introducing me to the Burnt Ends Burger at Q39. (laughs) Um, So honestly, as as a result of God providentially bringing us together, um, yes, it's been a a fun business arrangement. There's no question about that. But honestly, from a personal standpoint, I believe I know Jesus better. I believe I enjoy him more as a result of my relationship with Rick and Bob and Mission Road Bible Church. So quite honestly, I, I praise God for this church. I praise God for your faithfulness. Uh, to Christ, and I pray that that will continue until he returns. So thank you very much. So, Lincoln, did I hear that right, that, Link, that cash bank lost like, like a million dollars because of that? My kids are going hungry. And your kids, and your kids are going hungry, yes, okay. So I, uh, it's now, it's interesting though, um, it's interesting as you think about this, as I've been reflecting upon this, this, all of this is a chapter that's now behind us. It's, it's strange. We'll never forget it. We'll always have those memories. Um, hopefully those memories will never go away. Um, the Lord has taught us a lot uh, through those, that time. But now it's time to focus on the next chapter of Mission Road Bible Church. And so with that, um, let's burn the note. Um, so what I have here is just a, it's, it's kind of a note. It's, um, it's the disbursement of, loan, of the authorization to disperse the money to us, the authorization to do that. We started with $2,893,883 dollars. Just almost $3 million. And then in, uh, in March of 2020, which would have matured in April of this year, we had, uh, we had $897,000 that we, we refinanced with them. So that's what I want to burn. I'm usually the guy who, um, you know, everybody says, did you, did you get that approved by Bob to burn that up there? Well... I've approved it, and, uh, and uh, I'm going to do it. So here we go. I have my PPP on. 
Hopefully I won't burn Rick's pulpit down. <laughs> there we go. sure how I could follow that because um, it's such such a sweet story, but I, I do have some biblical thoughts I want to amend to what you've just heard. Let me first say how thankful I am and grateful I am to the Lord for, for Lincoln Vermeer, who was more than a banker, but a brother. Um, I hope you kind of heard through what was said. Us paying our loan off early cost his bank, almost a million dollars. Yet he rejoiced with us, shed real tears when we told him we were going to pay it off. And as a Christian, his values were higher than that of a banker. And what a blessing you've been to us. Um, it's not often that someone with whom you're doing business rejoices with you that you've gained a million dollars at their expense, quite literally. But he's done that. Also believe we owe a debt of gratitude to three men who managed and shouldered our church finances and our debt more than any other people in our, in our body. And that is Bob Taylor, Larry Hildebrand, and Jordan Jacobson. They navigated our finances through some of the most difficult times where we were wondering about... There were times, folks, we were wondering about meeting the electric bill and meeting payroll. And, and these men felt that. And sometimes, and I know this because I have have spies, sometimes knew things and took care of things that they never told us and just made sure that they took place. So Bob and Larry and Jordan, I know Bob's here. Larry, Jordan, are you here? Larry, are you here? Thank you. And more on thankfulness in a moment. You know, the, the debt is interestingly, inextricably linked to my coming to Mission Road Bible Church in a very interesting way. Uh, I was candidating here. I was talking to Mike and Bob primarily and the elders about uh, whether the Lord would have uh, Kim and me and our sons move here not only to be pastor, that where I would serve as a pastor, but where this would be our church. And um, I was sharing this with our, our elders out at the church I was before, about 35 elders and after that meeting, I had a couple of men who loved me and loved my family walk me out to the car and say, after asking me a lot of questions, which included, is the church in debt, how much? And they walked me out to my car that night. It was very late. It was probably after midnight. And they said, listen, we, we just were burdened to tell you we, we think it's a really bad idea for you to go to Kansas City and to Mission Road Bible Church. Because if you do, all you're going to be is a fundraiser and not, not a pastor. I took that to heart. I prayed about it. Kim and I talked about it. We, we, we actually labored over that for several weeks over whether that would be uh, foolish of us to come or not. Uh, at one point in the candidating process, uh, Mike Walji sensed that I wasn't all that keen about coming to Kansas City. And he said words that I'll never forget. He said, I can sense that this is not some place that you're, is on the first place of your desire set. But if you and Kim would come back just for three days and spend time with us, at least I want you to see what you're going to say no to. Well, that's a hard, 
That's a hard thing to say, no, I'm not going to come. So at Mike and Bob's request, we came back for three days, and at about two hours into the trip, and I don't know if you guys remember this, Christy, I don't remember this, you separated us. The ladies took Kim, and the men took me, they took me to Cabela's and Oklahoma Joe's, and I, it was hard to think about being anywhere else after that. Um, and we got together that night, Kim and I did in the hotel, and just said, what, what is, how do you feel, how do you feel, how do you feel, how do you feel, how do you really feel, back and forth, and finally I said, I like these people, a lot. And we decided that regardless of the debt, this was a church that we wanted to attend. And this was a place that we wanted our sons to grow up in the discipline and nurture of the Lord. And so we stepped out in faith and said, you know, debt and all, we're, we, we want... Well, we called here, of, of course we can look back and say that, but bottom line is we wanted to come. And by God's grace, we did. This is a special morning indeed. February of 2015, we unveiled an initiative for our church to aggressively attack our debt that was literally crippling all of our decisions. At that time, our debt was a little more than $2.7 million. Our weekly budget was $17,000, and our debt payment per month was about $20,000. So it took, if you do the math, it was more than one Sunday a month we were paying straight to the bank. I won't go into all the details, but Bob and I had a meeting with, with our, our, our current uh, creditors, our, our lender at the time. And uh, after that meeting, we went back to our room and realized that we were in trouble and not in a good financial place to even be renewed for a, uh, uh, a refinance or a new note. And we didn't know what to do, literally didn't know what to do. And for weeks, uh, it, it was dark in the office. Like We actually were again saying, what... What if we default? What a testimony would that be for the Lord? It would be awful. And what if we become insolvent? What, what, what do we do? We, so we began to pray and depend on the Lord. And I want to tell you, looking back at those times, I cannot thank Almighty God enough for that trial, which brought us so close to Him in dependence. We were crippled by our debt, as I said. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. We most definitely felt enslaved to our lender. Um, Lincoln, we've never felt enslaved to you in Cass Bank. I need to say that very clearly. So we prayed about it, talked about it, and said, Let's have an aggressive push to try to reduce our debt. Please underline that word, reduce our debt. I'll come back to that word in a minute. And I think the importance of that decision cannot be understated in the history of our local body. It's hard for me to talk about and preach about giving. I hate talking about money from the pulpit. It's, it's not that it's not biblical. It is. I just never want to feel like I'm manipulating. We've all seen too many charlatans on what is called Christian TV make financial appeals in a way that's manipulative, ungodly. There are so many illegitimate ways to appeal for money in the name of Christ that it's, it, we're all sensitive as an elder team to, and the deacons as well, to distance ourselves. We want to distance ourselves from those manipulators financially. As you've heard, our church undertook a building project that suffered a series of unforeseen problems from the discovery of asbestos to flooding from an 11-inch rain called it the once-in-a-hundred-year rain, and it ended up in our basement. Uh, we began uh, what began as a manageable venture for a small expansion and a 
bathroom remodel became $3.2 million for a church of less than 200. That led us to say, what are we going to do? So in 2015, we began to think and we came up with the ABLE initiative. Now, if you want to know what that means, just hold on for a moment. I know many of you are not here. And what does ABLE initiative mean? Are we talking about the ABLE in Genesis? No, we're not talking about him. It's a different spelling. It's all built on two verses that both use the word able. And I want to direct your attention to those very briefly, if I can. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter, t- chapter 3. So as we began to say, how can we attack and minimize, mitigate this debt that was truly, truly hindering almost every decision we made? Every decision we talked about and made was always with the footnote, but what about the note? What about the debt? We can't do that. We can't do this. We won't be able to do that. Maybe in 10 years, maybe in 20 years. We came to this. Ephesians 3, verse 20. I can't wait till we get there in a little while. Now, to him, that is God, who is able, see that? Who is able to do far more abundantly Beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able. He's able to do more than we ask. And he's able to do more than we can imagine or dream or think. You know, the church, if you boil it down, has three ultimate resources. We have... Capital resources, buildings and budgets. We have human resources, which is you, our people. And we have divine resources, which is God and his ability that we just read about in Ephesians 3. Interestingly enough, it's very easy for all of us, myself included, when we come into a series of decisions or trouble or financial strain, to think of those in reverse order. We think of our capital but, uh, resources, buildings and budgets. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it up? How are we going to pay? Then we think of human resources. Who can help? And then it seems almost inevitable that we think lastly about our divine resource, which is God. And from the very beginning of this ABLE project, based on this passage in Ephesians chapter 3, we all committed that we would reverse that polarity and start with God's ability He is able. Able to do what? You break it down. He's able to do far more abundantly. These are compound after compound descriptions. Far more overwhelmingly abundantly, beyond even what the abundantly is. All that we ask, all is comprehensive. Ask or think according to the power that works within us. And we'll know well what that power is by the time we get to this text in in Ephesians 3 in our study on Sundays. We began the ABLE initiative deeply considering these three resources, but mostly wanting to depend on our divine resource, which is God himself as mediated through his word. This made us and makes us still pray and lean on God first and pray and lean on God hardest for our needs. This verse in Ephesians 3 is a haunting blessing to me. And what I mean by that is simply this. I asked and thought about this debt in such small ways. 
Eight years ago when we launched this, my thought was, oh, if we could, in the most amazing sense, bring this down a third, the principal down a third, which we would not have done by simply paying on interest, uh, the interest-heavy part of that note. And then I got really audacious and said, what if we refinanced in eight years, five years, ten years at these markers at half? I asked and thought about God reducing the debt during our ABLE initiative and during ABLE 2.0. But my faith, quite frankly, was aimed at debt reduction, not debt elimination. But God did beyond what I asked. We ought to be beyond what I, I thought in miraculous ways. ABLE 2.0, as you know, started back in October, and you should know that at that point in October, our note was over $700,000, about three-quarters of a million dollars in October. And at that point, my faith was small because we really prayed about, was it, we, we aimed to get, we thought in the best scenario, Bob, we would get to 500000 right, and be able to do that, and that would mean a realistic payoff in five years from, from now. So I began praying, Lord, can you, would you please reduce our debt to $500,000? He must have laughed with the angels, knowing what he was going to do. As you heard Lincoln say, our early payoff has saved our church almost a million dollars of interest that will now go to gospel work and not interest. What a God. He did beyond what we asked Beyond what I thought, and I will confess to you, I was the president of the OE of Little Faith Club, and he exceeded it all. But there's another side of the ABLE initiative that includes you, that includes us. Now turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16. As you're turning to Deuteronomy chapter 16, the context is important. This is the verse that catalogs the people's contributions in the time of Moses for the Feast of Tabernacles, and for you Bible students, that's also called the Feast of Ingathering, and it's also called the Feast of Booths. But as he's collecting the resources for these booths that would give glory to God and worship to the people, he says this in Deuteronomy 16, verse 17. Every man shall give, here's our word again, as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. There's a lot in that. First of all, everyone wants to give to the Feast of Booths annually because it was commanded. They were also supposed to give according to what they were able. And all that were able to give, they were able to give and were able to give, was, the last part of the verse, from the blessing of the Lord our God who has given everything to us. Notice that God calls people to give to this feast as they were able. And so, based on this, we asked each other at the beginning of the ABLE initiative to consider what we might be able to contribute over and above our regular giving. And you did. Oh, did you ever. I'm sure you're aware 
And we have on purpose made not a big deal out of this, but there were some very large gifts given toward the debt reduction. And we're so thankful for those large gifts. But the reason we haven't pointed to those as amazing is that there are some people, the high schooler who I know, who gave $12, that was equally amazing. Every man, every woman, everyone who gave, gave according to what they were able. And God measured that by the heart of faithfulness, not by zeros and decimal points. No gift was small. All gifts were sacrificial and big to the Lord. So on this day, it is most appropriate that we say thanks to God who has done beyond all we asked or thought, but also that you hear from me and our leadership team and that we express to each other thankfulness and thanksgiving to each other who sacrificed and gave what we were able. That kind of pushes me to a passage that I just want to draw our attention to as we kind of pull our service together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's a famous passage on giving, but there's so much theology embedded in this giving section of instruction. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul says, Now this I say, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now this I say, he who sows or gives or plants sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is interesting, and uh, uh, Ben, you're here. I need to be careful talking about math in front of Ben. Uh, Ben is my math tutor. He's failing miserably, but he is trying over and over to help me see my numbers correctly. But this is the principle of compounded interest. As you know, uh, Lincoln told us that we saved almost a million dollars, $944,000 of interest, compounded interest, had we extended the life of the note to the life of the loan. This is talking about the compounded interest of spiritual blessings related to money and giving and, and investment. If we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. If we sow with abundance, we will reap abundantly. Do you see the compound nature of that? I thank God for the sacrifices that all of you made to eliminate our debt. Perhaps it meant saying no to a latte here or there. It it meant forestalling a purchase, maybe a project. Some cashed in stocks that had done well and gave the, the gains to this project. Just overwhelming Maybe you should sit down at dinner with someone who you know gave and just hear some of the stories of sacrifice and the blessings that even though they sowed with abundance, they reaped with far more blessing and abundance. Verse 7, each one must do as he has purposed in his heart. That's akin to Deuteronomy 16, as he is able. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I never heard one complaint in the last years, last eight years of the ABLE initiative from anyone about this. In fact, quite the opposite. I think we heard excitement, didn't we? Let's, let's reduce this as much as we can. And in our efforts to reduce it, our efforts to reduce it, God's ability eliminated it. Above, beyond, we asked or thought, you understand that during this extra 
almost $3 million, over $2.7 million that we've given in the last 10 years toward the debt, that that was in addition to our sustained regular giving that you gave that was faithful and didn't wane. God loves a cheerful giver. And I can tell you, like God, I have learned to do the same. Looking back at verse 7, not grudgingly or under compulsion, I never felt any obligation. People were excited to do this so that we could now turn our attention to gospel application of these funds. Verse 8 has an interesting phrase. And, what is it? God is what? Able. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficient... Look at these overwhelming, packed words. So that always having all sufficiency in everything. You see how much abundance is there? That you have an abundance for every good deed. What he's saying is even if you sacrifice in giving your resources, you will be overwhelmed with God giving you what you need to enjoy God's grace and minister God's favor. Incredible. So during our Able Project, we experienced grace and sufficiency in ways that I'm going to miss. God will never leave us unattended if we sacrificially give. I looked back at my notes for the initial Able uh, Sunday this last week. Can I read you a couple of quotes from that original sermon on the Able Initiative? This is what I said. Quote, If God is truly able to do more than we ask or think, let's pray that with the expectation that he's going to do great things. I'm convinced that this is going to be more than about reducing our debt. I'm confident that God is going to change us as a church, and he has. Something else I said that morning, quoting right from those notes, cut and paste. I said this at the end of the sermon. I can't wait until someday we have a service in which we burn the note of our debt and look back at what God did. We can look forward to some things, enjoying God's love, freedom from ministry limitations, greater involvement in missions, a fresh look at our building, potential addition of staff, planting churches, a robust ministry, an intern program, and on and on. So much of our discussions, this was back then, I said this, so much of our discussions in, in our elder board meetings and on our staff, in our staff meetings, involved the phrase, we can't do that because of our debt obligation. Then I said this, I can't wait for the day when we are deciding what to do with the extra $20,000 a month. Jordan has told us many times, you'll remember, we were able to reduce the debt during ABLE uh, 1.0 to the point where that $20,000 became about $10,000. And now we've reduced that ten, and so we, if you go back to the original, we are asking right now, what are we doing that? Just, if you wouldn't mind praying for us. We're getting away in just a few weeks with our elders and deacons to get on our knees and beg God for the wisdom of what to do with his resources. Let me fold up this day by saying this. For so long, we have been in such 
a position of dependence that we were constantly watching God for what he would do for our needs. You understand that? We were watching God for what he would do for our needs. But now, we're in the position of feeling God watching us with what we will do for his name. We look to him in dependence. Now he's looking to us for faithfulness. What a blessing. But I would also ask you to pray with us that we are reallocating that two things don't happen, that people don't get lazy, myself included. We think, oh, we've, we've crossed this, this bridge. Our, our giving can um, reduce now because we, we don't have to service that debt. Well, the idea was to keep our giving at least the same so that we could use those funds for ministry, that that doesn't happen. But secondly, if you would pray for us that we know how to allocate these funds for the greatest, the greatest magnification of, of his son's name and the gospel. I feel a, almost a sickening stewardship that God is watching what we're going to do now. We've been in a test for the last 16 years about this debt. That test is over, but a new one begins today. How will we be faithful to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ with the resources that we pull together? Remember, three resources. Divine resources, let's be faithful with them. Human resources, one of the most precious ones we get to enjoy with each other. Let's be faithful with each other and gifts, spiritual gifts that you're doing and the way you're serving. Utilizing each other to the glory of God and the benefit of each other. And then buildings and budgets, capital resources. that would be found faithful with these decisions. So on behalf of the deacons and elders... I want to say not only thank you to our great Lord and Savior for his doing more than we ask or thought, but it's very appropriate to say thank you to all of you who contributed to this. And I think the Lord is looking to us to excel still more. What a great chapter we're about to enter into at Mission Road Bible Church. Jordan told us just a few weeks ago an amazing stat that is... um, It's indescribable. In the year of COVID, our church grew in numbers, grew in giving, and I believe grew in depth and breadth of our relationship with each other and our spiritual maturity. When we see and sense God's blessings, let me beg you and encourage you to make sure that we tell him that we know them. We pray.